Okay, hello everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Change Your Game with GTD podcast. And these podcasts, are, our goal is to help you to realize the benefits of GTD, look at the methodology and the implementation of it from a number of different perspectives and share with you our experience over the years and, and hopefully um, inspire you to take your, your GTD practice and, and realize the benefits of it in, in ways that, that change your life for the better. I'm here as usual with Robert Peake. Hello. And Robert, when you and I were getting going, uh, just talking as we always do just before the, the recording, we decided we'd talk today about, about GTD for teams. You know, I, I think it's interesting, GTD is classically thought of as an, as an individual thing. You know, it's, it's about uh, personal effectiveness, personal efficiency, et cetera. But, but we find, I think, uh, in a lot of the work that we do, that, um, that GTD, if implemented, <clears throat> Uh, implemented the right way has lots of benefits, not just for the individual, but also for teams and for broader organizations. So um, maybe just if you wouldn't mind kicking off with some observations or, or some thoughts about how how GTD does in fact cross that boundary from um, you know from individual uh, intervention, as it were, to, uh, to to something that benefits uh, groups and teams. Yeah, well, as you know, um, I've worked inside GTD-enabled organizations and not, right? (laughs) And there there is a difference. So, you know, spending more than seven years at the David Allen Company was a real um, wonderful um, steeping, I think, in in how doing GTD for teams can uh, make the whole organization more more effective, more efficient. Obviously, being here with Next Action Associates is another... um, great example of that and you know fundamentally i think underpinning all of that in my experience is a greater sense of trust right so that when when everyone has some kind of system the gestalt of that the sum total of all those systems is a a kind of huge safety net for the entire organization so that um in particular just you know it's just it comes down to little things it comes down to the details but things like you know, my waiting for list matching a subset of your action list, right? If we're in a managerial relationship, um, uh, things like being able to collect agendas rather than constantly be interrupting people the moment you you think of something, you know, I go, oh yeah, that, I better run over to so-and-so's desk before I lose it. It's like, no, no, capture it for our, for our agenda for the next time we see each other and speak, these kind of ad hoc agendas. So many of these little things add up into a, a cumulative effect in my experience of really the sense that we've got each other's back. Now, I mean, obviously you can, you can use waiting for and agendas and things to sort of try and rake people over the coals, but if you have a, a positive, healthy, forward-looking kind of culture to begin with, um, or even if you don't, to some extent doing GTD, I think can foster that and, and create that because it, it takes, you know, kind of the energy and, and uh, emotional affect off of the mechanics of getting stuff done together as a team so that that's been a lot of my kind of high level experience i think it'd be fun to dig into all this and um great to hear kind of your thoughts too because you've been you've been in various managerial positions as well over the years and and seen gtd and not and yeah curious what you think too Todd. yeah it's it's interesting as you've been talking about it that was very much um my experience of, of uh, when I was uh, at uh, um, in, in, in my role as a as a director at a large financial institution years and years ago, um, one of the um, one of the things that I found after I implemented GTD for my team was that the, that things got <clears throat> they got 
quiet in a way. And what I mean by that was, uh, you know, I used to, I had a very open door policy. Yes. You know, I had a, please come into my office if there's anything I can do. And, and people would take me up on that. And, um, just having the, uh, just having the, you know, the, the practice in place that said, okay, look, here's the deal in our weekly meetings. What we're going to do is, is compare, uh, primarily two lists. One was the, the agenda list, right. That I had for that, that individual. And the other was their agenda list for me. And then, and then <clears throat> on the other side, the waiting for list. And because people knew that that meeting was coming up and that, that anything that they had um, on their minds would be discussed at that point meant that people were interrupting me as a manager an awful lot less frequently. So, so things got quiet, but that wasn't, I found that people were then able to trust their judgments about, uh, you know, do I need to, to, as it were, do I need to um, interrupt Todd right now about this or can this wait until our, our meeting, which is maximum one week away. And so the, I, I certainly didn't have the sense that the team got less done, quite the opposite. But, but things, as I say, you know, just got a, a bit more relaxed day to day in terms of the way that we interacted with each other. Um, and and another thing that came to mind as you were as you were talking was there there was a very subtle psychological thing that went on you know for me and I think as well for for some of the members of my team as we rolled this out was this whole idea of of tracking waiting fors for each other right so I've I've asked you to send me something or uh, you know you've you've asked me to have a conversation with somebody and and I need to come back to you on that and 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 we we you know we'd agree okay so what that means is that I have a waiting for on you for that and and there was this <clears throat> we had kind of a a funny conversation about it early on where somebody said do you mean that's okay it's actually okay for me to track a waiting for on you and I said yeah absolutely I said you know we're, we're talking here about how do we get clear about what our commitments are to each other and 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 as we talked about it, you know, what they said was, well, gee, that feels a bit rude <laughs> for me to track to track a waiting for on you. And I said, well, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I really appreciate your you're wanting to be polite. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if we've got a commitment, let's both be clear what that commitment is. You're going to do something for me or I'm going to do something for you. And if we are serious about that commitment, then both of us should be willing uh, to uh, to check in from time to time until that commitment is fulfilled. And say, hey, how's it going, right? And yeah. and if I haven't heard back from you, when can I hear back from you? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> even without, as it were, going outside the, the really the core the the core practices, some of the core practices like you know like tracking, waiting for, keeping an agenda. Already, we've got team benefits uh, that that come out of implementing GTD. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> sounds like it can help overcome that paralysis through politeness thing, you know, where, where people are, are afraid to chase, but it's like, no, no, we're all, we, we all want the same thing, which is for this stuff to get done. We all have our piece to play, you know, sp sporting teams wouldn't, you know, wouldn't fail to say, Hey, heads up or, you know, over to you, or, you know, they're constantly communicating about who has the ball and where we're headed and what the goal is and what the play is. You know, it's not rude. It's called, you know, tactical execution of, of, of making the goal, making the goal. So yeah, it's, that's a great, great anecdote. And uh, yeah, really kind of underscores, I think some of the culture shift that can happen um, when, when GTD becomes part of the mechanics of how we all agree to talk and agree to do the, the things we do together rather than just individually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Curious what other, what other kinds of things um, you've encountered maybe that, um, 
that GTD can help inside of an organization, places where, you know, you've seen things suboptimal and say, boy, I really, I really wish or it would be nice if some aspect of GTD came into play here as a kind of cure for, for any particular pain points you've experienced over time. So what's your kind of wish list, I guess, for, for GTD implementation for other places you've been, places you've seen, or um, just generally for, for people who are struggling? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if I had to, if I had to pick one thing, I, I think it would probably be uh, organizational alignment, right? So it's, it's this idea that we've, we've all agreed where we're going um, we've all agreed sort of the, um, you know, the, the, the outcomes that we're working toward and we all understand how the things that we are doing are contributing to the, to the attainment of those larger outcomes. Um, and, you know, GTD provides, and again, those of, those of, uh, our, our listeners who've maybe, you know, only been to a seminar, you know, have been, been exposed to the five phase model. They might be quite surprised to hear that, you know, the, some of the models um, in GTD can be used very effectively at organizational level. Um, I'm, I'm always reminded of, you know, when I was still working at the, you know, working at the bank here in London all those years ago, um, my boss was the head of the division and he used to get up and he used to give, he was a, he was a very engaging speaker and he was uh, really, you know, really good at what he did. And he would get up and get up and he'd give these, you know, very, very, I thought impressive speeches. And, uh, and yet, it was very difficult, you know, as I would talk to the members of my team, very difficult for, for the members of my team to go, okay, you know, what, what I think, I, how does what I do day to day relate to what he's just talked about? You know, I have a, I have a hard time drawing that line between, you know, between, between what he's, he says we're focused on and what I do day to day. And so this whole idea of organizational alignment, I think, especially in larger organizations, it starts to become it be, becomes less, um, you know, it, it, it becomes less clear. And so what, what GTD does is it gives us ways to say, you know, hey, as an organization, just take one example. As an organization, what do we want to have done this year, by the end of this year, right? We have a conversation about that. And then we can very quickly turn to, you know, one of the, um, and I've done this with teams, I'll then turn to the head of marketing and I'll say, okay, so the organization has agreed we're going there by the end of the year. What does marketing need to do in order to um, support that outcome? And then of course the marketing head can go to his or her team and have a conversation which looks like, okay, um, here's what we're committed to do this year. Let's talk about how each of us as an individual, you know, what outcomes will we need to realize in order to enable that to happen uh, for the organization more broadly. So it's a, it's it's a it's a superb you know GTD provides some superb tools for making sure that we're all uh, all pointed in the right direction yes by all means right so that we're all you know rowing in the same direction as it were and then at the same time uh, it helps me as an individual to understand how are the things that I'm working on day to day and the outcomes that I'm going to realize day to day how is that going to support the broader uh, you know the the achievement of the broader vision of the organization. So again, if I, if you if you you know sort of said to me, okay, you got to pick one thing, that would probably be it. It would be enhancing enhancing corporate alignment. Yeah, which know. is so so powerful, isn't it? And so needed, right? I mean, so so often when you know when I when I work with with organizations around this, <clears throat> what I'll find out is that that they've, you know, they really haven't done the um, 
well, the better ones have done the thinking about what do we as an organization need to do by the end of the year, right? Um, and that will be a very, for the good ones, that'll be a very rich mix. Of course, you know, there'll be the kinds of things you'd expect to see. There's budgets and there's sales targets and there, there are things like that. But, but uh, you know, there may also be culture change things. There may be, um, you know, elements of uh, that there could be acquisitions involved. There could be, um, you know, we need to we we need to fundamentally rethink this product line, right? There, there are other things other than what you classically think of as 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 kind of uh, commonly tracked outcomes. And so, um, yeah, so so the good ones have 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 done some of that thinking, but but even those folks quite often haven't done the thinking that says, okay, how are we really going to effectively cascade all of this down through the organization? Yeah. And that again, I think is where GTD can, uh, can help quite a bit. Yeah. Makes it a lot less squishy and a lot more likely, I think, to actually be executed on, you know, I think, I think mm. that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking as you were talking about what my pain point might be that I think GTD can help a lot with. And I think a something i found personally painful and i think a lot of other people find painful is the the experience of as you get higher up in the organization living more and more inside of meetings right <laughs> one of the great executive skills is the ability to not have to take a lot of bathroom breaks during the day you know it's just like <laughs> you're sitting there you're, you're living in this stuff and one of the wonderful things about um being part of next action associates is how we can snappily you know whiz through what, 12, 20 items, you know, in a, in a relatively short period of time in a meeting, have the kind of cogent conversations we need to have about them, everybody come away with clear next actions. And in that same time frame, I've seen other organizations basically have a nice chat about two or three things, right? And sometimes a not so nice chat, a more heated, politicized chat uh, about two or three things. And some real, I think, GTD principles can go go into that. So I mean, what we do that really works well um, to help the team focus is first of all, you know, everybody brings their agendas and we, and we just, you know, go, go down with who wants to talk, you know, who, who feels wants to raise what we build that out and kind of allocate some time based on, on the, the total amount of time we have for, for each item. And then, you know, the, the person who's wanting to raise it kind of stating, look, here's the outcome. Here's what I want to get out of this. Here's, here's why I'm raising it. Here's what I'd like to go away with some consensus, just a conversation, just FYI, whatever it is. Um, at the outset, so we can all focus on helping that person get what they need to essentially tick off that agenda item and then not letting that thing go, you know, not moving on. Uh, just like you wouldn't move on to the next item in your in your physical or, or digital inbox until we've decided who's got the project, who's got the action, what are the next steps, and that they've got that captured into their system. Sounds simple, but it's, you know, it's phenomenally powerful. And I just, you know, I just tell people, even if you don't want to go to, to that extent, just taking the last 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes of the meeting and saying who's agreed to what and who has what projects and actions as a result of whatever structure of meeting you've done can totally change meetings. You know, in my experience, mm -hmm. so many of them are, are, again, it's a bit like this organizational alignment where it's squishy. You know, they've done the very top level thinking and they're kind of just expecting people to, in a sense, know what they mean in terms of drilling that into details. But having you know meetings that that the outcomes are so much less squishy, so much more clarified, recording that, knowing that's in someone's system, um, you move a lot faster, and meetings are a lot more focused, and they're you know you can still you don't have to be this this robot drone about it. It can still be you know lighthearted, casual, whatever. But um, 
but a lot comes of it. And that to me is incredibly satisfying because, hey, <laughs> if you gotta, you got to live part of, you know, a good part of your life in meetings, they might as well be effective, you know, from, from my point of view. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, as, 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 as you'll be aware, we've got our, um, we, we being a, a somewhat virtual organization here in the UK with folks all over the country, we, we, we tend to get together physically once a month and that meeting is coming up on on monday and and i'm with you i mean i I think the meetings that we have are some of the most productive meetings i've ever you know taken part of but part of in my uh 30 whatever it is your career at this point and and you know you're, you're absolutely right i think um it helps us to ensure that we're that we are taking everybody's voice into account right so everybody in the room is encouraged to bring uh, agenda items to the table. It could be, you know, anything from uh, how do we want to design the new coffee mugs through to, you know, is there a strategic issue that has to do with a potential partnership with a with another organization? So people are really encouraged to to bring whatever issues they have to the table. And the other thing we do, and I think a lot of people will probably be surprised about this, but and I and I quite frankly was a little skeptical when we first started to do it, but but I've I've really warmed to it over the years. Is this idea that that having um, so big picture, again, just maybe for everyone's one's, uh, uh, knowledge here. So we start with a review of, um, of metrics. We all agree every month we're going to look at certain metrics, and there'll be sales numbers in there. There'll be the results of, of you know, website traffic and various metrics that we have that, that are important for us in, in order to determine the health of the business. And while those are being discussed, we don't really drill into them other than to ask clarifying questions, you know, if, if anything's not clear, it's mostly just sort of, okay, let's all understand what those numbers are. Then we go through the the projects from the previous, um, the projects and the actions rather, from the previous uh, meeting. So just very quickly, okay, who had which actions and a quick status update if, if things aren't done. Um, and then And then what we do really with the bulk of the meeting is we do what we call dynamic agenda generation where we all just, um, you know, as I say, we all just uh, suggest agendas. And, uh, you know, in any given meeting, we, we generally take two or three hours for these meetings. And, uh, and you know, we might go through anywhere between 20 and, and 30 topics. And the thing that was on my mind as I started to talk about this was, uh, what I think is interesting is we actually take the total number of topics and we subdivide the amount of time available so that we're sure that we're going to be talking about every one of the topics. Now, what that means is that sometimes um, sometimes a topic will, you know, if it's a very large topic, we might decide, okay, at this point, uh, the next action is that somebody's going to go away and draft a document which will provide a proposal for how the organization should take it forward. Um, but, and again, I, I was at the beginning, I was a little bit skeptical of that approach because what it said to me was, well, hold on, but that thing is bigger and more important and shouldn't it get, you know, shouldn't it get more of its attention, more of our attention? But what I've realized over time is it may well need more of our attention, but that the, the focus of that might be a different meeting, or as I say, it might be that somebody needs to take take an action to go draft a, you know, draft a white paper or a proposal for the for the next team meeting that talks about how it will be taken forward. So, so long story short, at the end of the meeting, everybody knows that their their issue, whatever it is, will have been addressed. And and again, I think that that gives people a real sense that uh, that their voices are heard. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting because it's I think in a lot of ways analogous to 
some of the GTD practices we, we do for individuals. So just as you were saying, the horizons of focus create alignment, not only individually, but organizationally. This thing where we take in everyone's agendas, right? And as you said, big, small. It's a bit like a mind sweep, right? It's a bit like getting the collective mind sweep for the organization out so that you so that whatever's really on your mind is is going to then be processed and organized, you know, as in organized as in organized into the right person system. So we spend a you know part of the meeting clarifying what is it, but then it's down to is it actual? What's the action? What's the project? Who has it? Um, that's incredibly powerful. The part you were talking about with the um, you know where we do we review the metrics, review the past meeting stuff. That's a bit like a weekly review, right? It's a it's reviewing the appropriate things at the appropriate interval. In our case, monthly, but so that you're keeping an eye on the on the right kind of things in terms of the other systems we have to run the business, like like the PNL, like <laughs> like you know uh, the shared the shared uh, understanding for who has what project. So all of this I see is really just. Um, tuning up the collective brain in a way with GTD best practices. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fascinating to go, Oh yeah, that's all, that's all the same stuff we do individually. And as, as you were saying, the skepticism about, um, about getting all of it out there and getting all of it processed, I think is also something we encounter with people who in their individual systems up until discovering GTD have had, you know, a task list of three things and trying to keep the, keep the important things at the forefront of their mind or what have you to the detriment of an awful lot of little things becoming way bigger than they should um, and more problematic for them. And likewise, I think the exact same thing happens in the meetings. You, you know, you said people feel like their voices are heard. They also feel like their, their, you know, issues are addressed, you know, that, that it's not just, you know, the same people talking in the room or the same kind of high-level high focus, but the, the person who's responsible for, for the mugs gets their thing addressed about the mugs quickly, efficiently, and, and well. So, yeah, I, we obviously have some enthusiasm for, for this topic, for sure. Um, and we haven't, even, you know, we haven't even talked about a lot, of, a lot of other things, I think, in terms of how team, team dynamics um, can be up-leveled with GTD, things like good delegation, things like how different other models like Racy or Scrum dovetail with this nicely, things like how, uh, in my experience, GTD helps individual contributors become managers, managers become executives, you know, that in, in terms of raising their levels of awareness and horizons. So I'm wondering if perhaps we um, should do a part two on this or, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know yeah. I think I'm springing it on you here. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was, my, my, my mind was going ex in exactly the same direction. I mean, the other thing we haven't talked about yet is the, um, or another thing is, is the natural planning model. Yeah. And how that of course can oh, be used yeah. as an individual uh, thing, but also as a, as a broader, uh, you know, as, as, as we, I remember very vividly having done a seminar, this was years ago for a, uh, for a, a financial publishing organization here in London, and after we um, after we did the seminar, I showed up, uh, you know, for a follow up meeting a few weeks later, and they had actually um, they had actually printed the overview of the steps of the natural planning model on on all of their um, in all of their meeting rooms, so that they had that as a format for guiding their thinking as they were as they were planning. Anyway, I'm with you completely, and I think I think uh, that this this absolutely would be a a good topic maybe for our next. Uh, for our next podcast would be kind of GTD for teams part two. Wonderful. All right. Well, sneak, sneak peek of things, things to come there. Um, yeah. I think it's just always so good, good to talk, talk shop with you, Todd, and, and hear your experiences and, and all of that. So um, 
you know, if if you found this useful, we'd love to hear from from you too. Um, always nice to get nice comments and specific questions or thoughts or, um, you know, as we're, we're focused on teams for next time, anything that you find that are points of pain that you think or wonder if GTD could address, um, anything, success stories, things that are working where you've up-leveled your, your own team dynamics using GTD, info at next-action.eu. Again, info at next-action.eu as a place to send those. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to collecting those and to uh, talking more, more with each other and with you about uh, team dynamics next time. Thanks, Todd. Thank you, Robert. Good to be with you. Talk to you soon. All right.